The Today's Homeowner Radio Podcast is brought to you by The Home Depot. How doers get more done. Welcome to Today's Homeowner with Danny Lipford, your partner in home improvement. Everyone has questions about their home. We've got the answers, and we have a few laughs along the way. Informative, entertaining, and sometimes off the wall. Home improvement has never been this much fun. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Today's Homeowner Radio Show. Danny Lipford here along with my co-host, Joe Truini, and... You know what? You are at the right place to get the most practical, realistic, and most current home improvement information you'll find anywhere. And boy, I'm telling you, the today's homeowner community, the holidays are gone, and it's time to do some work around the house. Man, the today's homeowner hotline is just blown up, as well as a lot of emails that are coming in, and we want to get one from you. You can do that right now, 800 946 4420, or you can send us an email by going to todayshomeowner.com slash ask. During this first hour of the Today's Homeowner Radio Show, we're going to give you some tips on how to properly insulate and waterproof a basement area or any area that you have below grade. Also, we're going to talk about expansion and contraction during the winter. A lot of times you look up and you see that crown molding. It looks like it's falling. Uh, It's not falling. It's just kind of moving around a little bit. We'll tell you what you can do with that. And duct work in a concrete slab. Not done very often, but what happens when you have a little flood? What can you do with that? We're going to dig into that. We're going to dig into emails. And of course, my buddy Joe will have a simple solution for us in just a little bit. Joe, what can we expect? Well, you can expect a really simple way to remove standing water. Often people have water you have to remove. Um, well, I have a way to remove it from some pretty tough spots using, of all things, a toy that you often use around the pool. And I'll huh. give you some more details about that coming up. Oh, you never know what's going to happen with the simple solution, but but you do know it's something that you'll be able to use around your house. We're so glad to be with you and so happy you're spending some of your busy weekend with us. And we, you know, had a little time uh, to rest and relax and be with our families and also kind of look at some of the more common things that homeowners have asked us about over the years. And I'll tell you by far, one of them is all about luxury vinyl planks, luxury vinyl tile. It is is absolutely everywhere. I started seeing it in commercial jobs, dentist That's offices right, yeah. and things like that. And then all of a sudden people said, well, wait a minute, maybe I'll use that instead of tile. They found out about how do-it-yourself friendly. But I, jo- but Joe, you know, so many times on home improvement projects, not only it's very gratifying to do some of these projects, it's also a way to save a little money. I heard that you found out a few national statistics about how much money you actually can save by installing that luxury vinyl tile yourself. Yeah, because we hear from listeners all the time who call in or email us about putting down what's known as LVT, which is luxury vinyl tile, and then also have vinyl planks as well. By the way, luxury vinyl tiles and planks are the very, by far the fastest growing type of floor. And we often encourage listeners to try installing it themselves because we've Danny and I both have done it and it goes down really quickly. Most of them are floating floors, meaning they're not attached to the subfloor in any manner. I was thinking about, well, how much does it cost to have these professionally installed? And with a little research, I found out that most people pay on average $1,400 to have about 200 square feet of vinyl plank flooring installed. Then I went online to Home Depot to check their prices and you can buy luxury vinyl plank flooring 
ranging between like $2.50 and $4. So what does that mean? Well, it means if you install that yourself, which again is very easy to do, 200 square feet, it'll cost you between $500 and $800, depending on whether you use like a more affordable one as opposed to a higher grade one. But either way, that's a savings on average of six to $900 wow. over a professionally installed job. Now, now about think that? about that. And, and again, we're not talking about something that you have to have a lot of experience. You have to be a trained carpenter or anything like that. If you read the directions, um, go online. There's lots of videos at todayshomework.com showing you how to do that. And, you know, that's a significant savings. I mean, 200 square feet, if you can get six to $900 back by doing it yourself, you can spend that somewhere else in the house, maybe do another floor in another room. And specialty tools. No specialty tools None. are needed. You know, you can actually, most of it, you can cut with a razor knife. I have found yep. putting a plywood blade on a table saw certainly makes that a lot, a lot more accurate and a lot better. But the number one mistake that people make when they install luxury vinyl tile is trying to do too good of a job. And that means <laughs> cu- cutting it tight, tight. against That's the right. wall. Boy, well, I, I I saw some pictures recently of someone that did that and they just didn't read. Oh, this is so easy. I'll cut it tight and do all of that. And then uh, it was a a vacation home and they came back and that floor was buckled and twisted and distorted because it expanded a little bit. Right. It's not uncommon at all. And it actually buckled it up off the floor. Can you imagine that? You know, you're thinking in your mind, hey, I'm going to my little vacation house for the weekend and we're going to walk in and boy, we got the new floor. Lord, oh, oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's why every floating floor, it doesn't matter whether it's engineered wood or laminate, or in this case, vinyl, they require an, an expansion space. And it's usually anywhere from quarter inch to half inch for vinyl. It's, it's less um, because it does need room to expand and contract. If not, it's got no place to go but up, and you don't, and it, you uh-huh. wind up with it buckling. So uh, you always leave that space. And if you have baseboard in place already with shoe molding, then just pull up the shoe molding. If you don't have shoe molding, that's even better. Don't remove the baseboard. Just run the floor up to the, the baseboard, and then you can just set the shoe molding on top. And the, and the trick there is always, of course, nail the shoe molding to the baseboard, not to the floor, because that's right. you nail to the floor, the floor can't expand the contract. But you're right, that's, that's probably the number one mistake people make. And then the other thing is, Follow the directions exactly with regarding any underlayment. Sometimes the underlayment's already attached to the plank. Sometimes it's a separate piece. But you do want to put down an underlayment over regardless of what you're putting it over, whether it's a concrete slab or, or a plywood subfloor. Hey, Joe, you know, I had a lot of time to spend with the grandkids over the holidays. And I, I think each week I could almost come up with a Gus story, my little grandson. Right, um, okay. Uh, Gus is, I mean, he's, you know... Um, almost six years old and he can, he, he, I don't know. He's, he's, he's a pretty sharp little fellow. Um, yesterday, uh, Chelsea, uh, my daughter, um, uh, showed me, a uh, sent me a picture on my phone and I looked at it and I said, what is it? He says, well, Gus, um, water bottle spilled in his, um, his backpack. Right. So he emptied the backpack, took it out in the yard, propped it open with a stick so that the sun would dry it all out. Now that's pretty Very good smart. for a, that's a, for simple a little solution. six-year-old kid. I know it's a great one. And and uh, she he says, uh, "I'm going to go out and get it before it gets too dark." So, <laughs> so the always, neighbors probably thought he was trying to trap a squirrel. Well, I know that's what. And, and the picture—that's exactly what it looked like. Is some right. kind of 
canvas trap or something. You know, it didn't, <laughs> didn't seem to make sense. But, you know, that's that's the thing I always um, – and, and also one of the things that we got the kids for Christmas was uh, a, a little kit that had all of these pre-cut little pieces of wood. And there's right. about six different projects that you can build, and it has a little bitty hammer, a little bitty nails, a little bit right. of sandpaper. Yeah. And, um, you know, so it's pretty safe. And, uh, boy, they love that. We sit down, sure. each one of them. Um, I'll let them build a little something. We built a little trap the other day and he just and, and so I'm you know going through it and it says you know he he can he can read a little bit but he can't read you know um uh, that much but he's but I'm um you know it says you can glue or nail these well he's right. looking at the plans too and you know they have a lot of diagrams on plans these days and he saw the nails so right. I put it together I said there we go he goes uh uh-uh, no 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 we gotta nail this thing and I said well, <laughs> how do you know that and he's po- pointing down oh, okay I'm it's going to be harder to pull anything on this kid anymore. Yeah, I give him about another year, and he'll be te- he'll be telling you what to do. Um, <laughs> but you know, there's nothing better than than showing children, you know, how to put stuff together, how to work. Anything you do to get them out from behind a screen or a monitor. I agree days, with that, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think there's starting to be a movement away from that more and more. Boy, and I, I hope think that so. his generation, um, you know, is is probably going to not re- rely on you know, staring at a screen all day long. So yeah, well, uh, that's, I, I sure hope, that's great. I hope so. Well, and that's why we have a lot of little things down here at the house when they do come down, things that are here that they don't have anywhere else, including right. a What's brand that? new ski ball machine. Ski and, ball. Okay. Yeah. yeah I've seen you know, those. Like you, yeah, like yeah. you played at the beach. I mean, I've always yeah. loved that. My it's got wife like a target it. on the end and it yeah, well, you, goes you, into you, this. You, yeah, that's you roll, great. You roll the ball, kind of like yeah. a miniature bowling thing. Yeah. yeah. And uh, oh yeah, they, 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 they beg their mom to take them down to Pop Daddy's because he's got the <laughs> ski ball machine. That works out great. Hey, we're going to take a short break here on today's Homeowner Radio. We're just getting started and we're about to share with you some great information that we know you can use at your house. I'm so glad that you're with us. Hang around. We'll be right back. You're listening to today's Homeowner Radio. Today's Homeowner is brought to you by The Home Depot. How doers get more done. Hey, we're so proud to be able to broadcast throughout this great country on a lot of different great stations, including this one, KKJL AM 1400 in San Luis Obispo, California. So glad to be on the air there. And if we can help you with any of your questions or challenges you might be having with your home, pick up the phone and give us a call, 800-946-4420. Or if you'd like to send us an email, we'd like to get them. You can send us one at todayshomeowner.com slash ask. Right now, we're going to go right to West Virginia. Denny's on the line. Denny, welcome to the show. And uh, tell us all about uh, some of the ideas you have for your basement down there. We have a full basement that's unfinished, and the house is built back into a hillside. Uh-huh. So really, the front wall then is probably the only exposed area. And it's a concrete block wall with fabricated stone on the outside. And what I was hoping to do was put some insulation, and I was thinking of the fiberboard insulation possibly, on the front wall to try to keep some heat in. That works really, really well. But um, let me ask you, do you see any moisture whatsoever? And you say that's a concrete block wall. Has it been treated or coated with anything, or is it raw concrete? And are you seeing any water whatsoever? 
we are seeing no water whatsoever, and there's no treatment on the inside. And I don't recall when they built the house, which is 25 years old now, mm-hmm. whether or not they put any treatment on the outside before putting the stone up. Now, I do know on the back side and the sides of the house, you know, they did put a, a treatment on the outside of the block there to keep moisture out. But right. on the front, I, I don't think they did. Well, it sounds like they did a good job, whatever they did there, and that's good. However, this is your only opportunity to put a little bit of uh, protection on those walls to keep, um, you know, future moisture from coming in. And it's pretty easy since you don't have any existing problems. What you would basically do is you'd want to clean those walls, uh, that surface, that concrete block surface really well. Um, We always recommend using TSP, trisodium phosphate, very easy to get that at Home Depot or any of your, um, any of the paint stores. And then follow the directions and wash it down really, really good with a scrub brush and then make sure that it dries. Then I would follow up with a a latex base um, waterproofer. Um, We recommend one from time to time called uh, Dry Lock. Uh, again, readily available. It's latex, pretty strong smell when you're putting it on. So you'll want to make sure you get adequate ventilation. I would put that on and uh, probably two coats. And like I say, it's not that expensive and it's not hard to apply, but uh, it's just that good peace of mind that you have that barrier between you and what could possibly be a leak at some time in the future. Then you can use foam sheets, which are readily available, one inch, two inch, whatever you want to glue on those walls with construction adhesive, pop those right in place and you're done. But I've also seen more and more of the mineral wool type panels that resist mold and mildew and so forth. And uh, I just don't know how readily available they are outside like commercial material places. But um, but you're on the right track. I think that's all I would do. Clean it, seal it, and then put those panels up. Uh, cutting it tight around all of your doors or openings and so forth. And uh, I think you'll see a significant difference there. It'll definitely, um, you know, protect you from a lot of the heat or the cold that might be coming in the basement now. Okay, that sounds very good. Uh, I guess then my next question would be then once I have the, uh, the wall board put up there, can I take some type of drywall maybe or some type of uh, paneling? Or what would be your suggestion to put over top of the uh, of the uh, foam board? Well, I don't think, and Joe, I'll get you to chime in on this a little bit. If you just glue the, the foam board on the wall, even using the best adhesives out there, um, like Titebond, I don't think you could hang drywall over it, even if you glued it and did it. You really need something to install there. So um, another way to do it, and this is exactly what I did in my basement um, at my previous home, and uh, I I went ahead and did all of the dry lock and got it clean. Then I put two-by-fours flat on the wall. You know, I was able to just um, put those every 16 inches. Just I used screws to screw it and glue to glue it right to the wall. Then I put the foam board in between those cavities. And so I had an inch and a half two by four. I put an inch and a half foam, and then I had something to nail the drywall to. And it worked fantastic. I never had a problem at all. Your thoughts on that, Joe? Yeah, Denny, um, that's one way of doing it, and that certainly works. The other way to do it is cover the entire wall with polystyrene, you know, basically styrofoam, polystyrene panels. And by the way, you want to use extruded polystyrene, not the expanded polystyrene. The expanded is too weak, and it's basically the same stuff they make the packing peanuts out of. So you want to make sure you get extruded polystyrene. Anyway, I would glue that directly to the wall. 
And the other thing is be sure to, whatever adhesive you use, it says it's, it's for foam board because some, uh, some adhesives and construction uh, glue has a solvent in it that will eat through the, the foam. So just make sure it's rated for applying. I think it's just called foam board adhesive or something like that. And I would cover the whole wall and then go with one by four pressure treated strips every 16 inches, and just screw them over the joints and right over the face of the panel with tap con screws, masonry screws, then hang the drywall off of that. that. That's what I would recommend doing. Okay, do the masonry screws, do they go into the joints of the concrete block or they just go into the concrete block? They would go into anything, and I'd try to aim for, you won't know where the joints are because it's all going to be covered with polystyrene, but it doesn't much matter. Um, you'd probably hit the block most of the time. You drill a pilot hole and you just drive it right in. There's no anchor or anything like that. So you'd probably have to use a hammer drill to be able to do that? No, not for, I mean, it would be easier, but I think if you use a masonry bit that comes with it, it's very na very small bit. I think it's like 3 16 actually a little smaller than that. Um, 5 32nd inch or something, just drill the hole. You can use a standard drill driver for that. Oh, okay. Thank you. Yeah. All right. Well, best of luck, Denny. Certainly glad you were able to be with us here on the Today's Homeowner Radio Show, and I uh, hope you have a fantastic year. All righty. Thank you very much. All righty. Thank you. Take, Take care. care. The other thing I was going to mention to Denny is one inch of polystyrene has an R value of five. So, you know, you can really add some insulation value with just one inch of that extruded polystyrene. Oh, the other thing, Danny, is that um, these panels, you know, because they come four by eight foot, you can cover a lot of ground really quickly. Some of them are have foil faced on it. I wouldn't bother with the foil face in Denny's situation because he's going to be covering the wall anyway. So um, I would just glue it directly to the concrete, put on those one by four. And the reason I suggest pressure treated in case there's any moisture coming through. And as you, as we often say, it's your only chance to do it, right? And then use um, moisture resistant drywall. That's the other thing that's really important, especially for the lower panels. If you're running horizontally, upper panels, not so much because they're not going to be exposed to any moisture. But in a basement, the lower sections, of course, um, might get exposed to, to moisture. And then prime it, you know, have it finished, of course, then prime it and paint it. And if you're screwing directly to those those one by fours, just make sure that you're using, again, I would recommend using uh, deck screws because they're more uh, resistant to any moisture that might come through because you don't want rust spots because sometimes that can happen as well. Um, so th th that's one way to do it. And again, if you go to todayshomeowner.com, you get lots of videos and information on finishing basements. And I know, Danny, you live in Mobile. There's not a lot of basements there because the water table is pretty high. Um, I was kind of surprised that Denny in West Virginia has a basement. I'm not sure if that's more common. I live in New England, and we have tons of basements. In fact, I don't know a home here that doesn't have a basement, and I can't imagine living without one. It's a great place. Get extra storage, of course. More importantly, you can put all, install all your mechanicals there, you know, the furnace and the boiler and the oil tank or whatever else. Um, so it's not taking up room anyplace else. Yeah, there's definitely not a lot of basements down in this area, certainly um, Alabama, Mississippi, Louisiana, the water table does plague a lot. And this particular house was kind of on a, a pretty um, sloping lot. So it was more or less just kind of digging into it a little bit. And um, part of it, or I would say three-fourths of it, was under 
underground. The rest of it wasn't. But uh, still, you know, something you have to address with waterproofing and everything that we told Denny that he needed to do. But without a doubt, that's some valuable space. If you're living in an area, you have that a basement downstairs and you need a little extra room, no matter what it's for, think about how you can do it and how you can do it right because there's a lot of code issues as far as the being able to escape in the case anything happens, ventilation, a lot of other considerations that you have to have. Hey, coming up, if you like cordless tools, how would you like a cordless tool that's 25% stronger than just about anything else on the market? I'm going to tell you all about it when we come back here on today's Homeowner Radio. Today's Homeowner Radio. Here are Danny and Joe. And welcome back to the show where it's time for our best new product segment brought to you by The Home Depot, How Doers Get More Done. The more and more we rely on cordless tools, the more dependent we are on those battery packs. So any improvement in the batteries improve everything. That's part of the motivation behind Milwaukee developing their new M12 Red Lithium High Output Battery Pack. It delivers 25% more power and runs 25% cooler versus their other M12 Red Lithium Battery Packs. This increased performance of this lithium-ion battery gives you the same power and runtime in a lighter and more compact package. That means you can make work with a with fade-free power, which is one of the big advantages of a lithium battery like that. The battery is also compact and lightweight, so you can work in really tight places with less fatigue. Plus, the batteries continue to perform well in temperatures down to zero Fahrenheit and stays compatible with over 125 of Milwaukee's M12 solutions. So for more information on this M, uh, Milwaukee M12 uh, output battery, high output battery, go on to homedepot.com or drop by your local Home Depot. Hey, we're going to switch gears real quick and get right back to the Today's Homeowner Hotline. Chris is on the line right now. Chris, welcome to the show and tell us what's going on around your house there. I recently moved into a new home, April of this last year. And uh, we have like a six-inch crown molding that goes around the ceiling. And uh, here, about a month ago, uh, cracks appeared on the joints for the crown molding. I live in South Alabama, and uh, this here, I guess, three weeks ago or so, we got hit with a real hard cold snap. The air was a lot drier. Temperatures fluctuated significantly. And what used to be absolutely uh, no cracks whatsoever, uh, they've opened up significantly to the point where every time I walk in the room, it's an eyesore. Oh, what suggestions might you have? Well, I'll tell you, it is something that happens. I can look right now in one of my rooms and see some of the cracks here and there. Even though I went to kind of extreme measures in this house I built to make sure that the humidity level in the home was down to below 50% when the uh, moldings were installed. And I brought the moldings in and acclimated them well to make sure they were down very low in moisture content. And I still have a few of those cracks that you're talking about. But fast forward to May and June, all of 
of a sudden they disappear. And it, and it's a it's really amazing how much materials in a home expand and contract. And probably no, nowhere is it more evident than when you're looking at crown molding, especially larger crown molding. Now, I have in the past when, you know, um, there are situations where it just was not nailed properly. I know that's not the case here, but on sometimes when you have a real pronounced one, I have in the past gone in and used a nail gun to nail and secure it the best I could and then fill the crack with an acrylic latex caulk. The reason for that is it remains a little bit pliable. You know, if you fill it in with something rigid and it moves again, then you have a crack. So I filled I filled it in uh, in some cases like that, and it seemed to work fairly well. the The danger of doing that is when it does expand and your and the temperature is warmer, um, it can cause uh, that caulk maybe to be pushed out a little bit, which um, also makes it clear. But I think you. You'll see that it'll go away if you want to put some caulk in there, just a little bit of white caulk in there or whatever color the crown molding is, then that probably visually will make you feel a little better. And then you'll just have to keep an eye on it when it starts getting back to that expanded mode. Yeah. Did they use the right type of caulk or oh, yeah. isn't there yeah, something I mean, this, where it, that would yeah. allow for it? It's just the thing is some, some crown molding or other moldings, um, just are more prone to expand and contract than others. And it's really hard to to choose that or pick that or know that it's going to happen. It's just one of those things that just seem to, 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 to happen from time to time. Um, and so you're probably in good shape on it. I would, uh, I would just put just a little bit of caulk in it, and that way it'll make you feel better, it'll look better, and you shouldn't have any problems moving forward. Good. All right, well, we appreciate it, Chris. Best of luck to you, and I uh, hope you have a great year. Thank you. You too. All right. Thank you very much. Going right to our emails right now. You can send us one by going to todayshomeowner.com slash ask. This one came in from Denise in Maryland. This past July, while installing a light in our master bathroom, the contractor created a hairline crack in the adjoining guest bathroom. Wow. How long a screw did he use there, Joe? I mean, it, it went all the way... Boy, that's really con- that's that's confusing. That apparently that must uh, be a wall-mounted light, but right. but um, she goes on to say, um, is there a way to fix it so the crack won't show? We still have some paint from the guest bathroom remodeling, so uh, let's just make some assumptions here that the crack she's speaking of is in the drywall and not in any ceramic that may be over there. So we're really just talking about a little bit of damage on a wall and. How would you suggest fixing it on there, John? Yeah, I mean, if, if this is a crack on a joint that's been taped, which they all they're all tape, as opposed to just a crack in the drywall face of the drywall, I mean, the, the, that could be a little trickier. Um, often you hear the recommendation if the tape pulls away in a section, there's a crack at the edge of the tape, then you really should pull all the tape off. Well, rather than before doing that, I always try gluing it back first. Um, cause if that holds, then you don't have to pull it off. You can always pull it off if you have to. I would run a little glue, any kind of glue behind it and press it down really firmly, hold it for a few seconds till, till it adheres well. Then you might have to go over a little joint compound and primer, prime and paint, depending on the crack. Um, so th- that's about the best you can do. If it's just a crack in the drywall itself, then, you know, I would, again, just go over it with some joint compound, clean out the crack and go over it with some joint compound. Um, again, I, I'm with you. I'm not sure how installing a light fixture in one room crack created a crack in the other room, um, but some hairline cracks are just from movement 
in the framing. And, um, and, and, you know, a lot of times, um, I know I've run into this a couple of times. You hope when you're installing something that, um, that the studs are out of the way, but so often when you say, okay, that's where I want the light fixture on the wall, then right. you cut the drywall out and there's a stud. And when you have a stud like that, of course, you've, you've got to recess it back. And that's a kind of a, a primitive barbaric way of doing it is just to cut the top and the bottom of the wood um, in, within the hole, and then right. it's chiseling. So if you're chiseling and banging on that a little bit, it could easily affect that other wall. But as Joe said, a little bit of joint compound and then touch-up paint, you should be in great shape. Hey, coming up, we're going to be talking about a lot more things that we can help you with around your house, including ductwork problems. You're listening to today's Homeowner Radio. We'll be right back. Today's Homeowner Radio is the right place to get the most practical and realistic advice for your home. Welcome back to Today's Homeowner Radio. Here are Danny and Joe. Hey, we want to hear from you. You can pick up the phone right now and reach us on the Today's Homeowner Hotline, 800-946-4420. Or if you'd like to send us an email, you can do that anytime at todayshomeowner.com slash ask. Right now, we're headed up to Tennessee to talk to Bonnie. Bonnie, tell us what's going on around your house, and welcome to the Today's Homeowner Radio Show. The problem I'm having is I bought this house about 30 years ago. It was built in 1983, and it's the first home I'd ever built, ever bought. Back in 2010, when we had a major flood, my house flooded. Well, there's no bodies of water around my home. It's built on a concrete slab, and what I was told by the UT Extension Office is that there is a problem with the water table, and that when the water reaches the edge of the, the concrete slab, that that builds up and comes up through the ductwork, which is in the floor, in the, built into the concrete. And what I'm in the process of doing now is uh, TVA and Nashville Electric have a program in place called the Home Uplift Program. And not being educated on what people do when they're uh, taking care of this sort of problem, I thought I would call you all. Sure, no problem, no problem. Well, you know, it is a little unusual. Um, I don't know, maybe some areas of the country do that, but it's a little unusual to have ductwork actually in the concrete slab. I've seen it in some commercial buildings and things like that, but it always seemed problematic to me. And here is an example um, of that. But um, on the program that you're talking about, if you qualify for it and so forth, are you talking about they would actually, you're talking about an uplift program, you're talking about raising the home? No, no. The name oh. of the program is called the Home Uplift Program. And it's, it's a, a grant that TVA has that they're trying to make homes in the area more energy efficient. Mm -hmm. And so uh, if you have a certain income level, they will come out and inspect your home to see if you qualify. I got you. Uh, th that being said, I did have him come out. He inspected the home thoroughly. I did mention to him about the problem with the water getting in the duct work. I had read online that that happens in a lot of homes up north because a lot of homes are built on concrete slabs. I don't know that to be a fact. And so what he, and it makes sense what he said to me. He said, Someone would have to come out, an engineer type, come out and make a recommendation of, on either filling the ductwork with concrete or filling it with the foam that they use in the marketplace these days. Right. I don't know which one is correct or incorrect. 
Yeah. Well, it, it's probably not a structural issue if it was, you know, there in the original construction. They probably made allowances so that it didn't weaken the slab area by putting the ductwork in. So probably filling it with some type of foam uh, would work well. Of course, you got to get some ductwork in there, so that will need to be rerouted uh, most likely through the attic space so that you don't have to do any kind of fur downs or any kind of, um, you know, extensive work inside your home. Um, But I would also be pretty concerned about mold and mildew that may be forming if that um, ductwork's there and it's gotten wet and it's dark and it's just a perfect environment for mold or mildew. So I would, uh, I'd be very concerned about that now, but um, I would get a really good or several really good residential um, heating and cooling contractors to come out. They probably have seen this issue before, and they probably have a good solution to offer to you. Get you several prices on that. Um, I, I would I would definitely do that. Filling up the voids in there, it will be fairly easy. Um, getting that ductwork in there will be the key thing and what could potentially be more expensive. Okay, well, what, what TVA has recommended is that they wanted to put in, uh, because it is such an older house, <clears throat> they were recommending the mini split mm-hmm. unit uh-huh. yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. to be put in rather than trying to run something through the attic. And he assures me that once I get this problem addressed that uh, they will be happy to proceed with the work that they had said that they could do. But he uh, his uh, concern was that if they went ahead and did the work now with the windows and the other things that needed to be repaired, <clears throat> that it would exacerbate the problem uh-huh. that I'm already having with the humidity. Yeah, Bonnie, I think the absolute thing to do is is to fill these ducts, and then with the mini-split system, there is no duct work, so that's probably why they're recommending that. It's a great that. idea, yeah. And, um, and the foam, the expanding foam would be a lot easier, neater, um, might be a little more expensive, but it would be a quicker and easier way to fill those ducts. And these ducts might be, they're saying in the slab, but I wonder if not under the slab, um, and they poured a slab over it, so they're basically in gravel or dirt. And no matter what you do, you know, even if it's another 20 years, you're going to have problems with moisture in that ductwork if it's in or sp- especially if it's under the slab, which I suspect it is. So I think the sooner you can get that filled, and as you said, then it's not an issue, and then come in and you can get um, rewarded with that uplift program with a new HVAC system. And Danny and I both are big fans of the mini split systems. Mm-hmm. Great. Well, All I right. appreciate the advice because I'm not, uh, that's above my pay grade. <laughs> well, it's <laughs> be an it sounds, expert by the time they're done. It sounds like you're doing the right thing, though, is really exploring and finding out about everything like that. We wish everybody would do that with the problems they may be having around your home. Bonnie, thanks so much for being with us. If we can help you in the future, you know where we are. Thank you so much. Okay. All right. Have a great weekend. You're listening to today's Homeowner Radio. We're going to take a short break and we'll be right back. It's simple solution time. Don't go anywhere. Welcome back to today's homeowner radio. Here are Danny and Joe. All right, it's that time for our simple solution segment brought to you by my buddy Joe Truini. What do you have, Joe? All right, Danny, before repairing most plumbing clogs, you, of course, have to remove any standing water that might be in the toilet or the wash tub of your washing machine or a sink, of course. And you could use a sponge, which is kind of messy and takes a while, or you can drag out your shop vac. But another option, and this is the simple solution, is to use a water blaster, which people might not know it by that name, but it's a pool toy that 
is basically a little siphon pump. Right? You pull, the idea is you stick it in the pool, you draw back the handle, and then you pull it up out of the water and you push the handle forward, it, a large spray of water comes shooting out. So you can use this squirting toy as a siphon pump by simply placing the nozzle into the water and you draw back the handle. And then at that point, you can take the water and, you know, squirt it into a bucket, squirt it out the window, or, you know, squirt it into another fixture that's not clogged. You, chances are, if you have a pool and kids, you probably have one of these. If not, you can go out and buy them for just a couple of bucks. And it works really well. It doesn't take up any space. The only thing I'll say is if you're using this to remove any dirty water or standing water, especially in a toilet, you probably don't want to reuse it as a that's pool right. toy. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So that's the, that's the only caveat. But it works great, and it costs just, like I said, a couple of bucks to pick up one of these. And I think Water Blaster is, is a brand name, but there are lots of different companies making I think uh, also another one, Super Soaker. A super soaker? It's called okay. a super soaker. So it's a pretty big, big one that'll shoot a lot of water. Okay. And and Joe, did you know that the yes. super soaker was invented in Mobile, Alabama? Was it really? You say yeah. that about everything though. So I never know if you're <laughs> the mobile phone was invented in Mobile, Alabama. That's why they named it a mobile phone. I'm not sure half the stuff they did. No, I'll trust no. that this, the super this, this soaker. Is, this is true. I just read an article about the engineer that uh okay. that developed it and how you know how so many uh, inventions are almost accidents or That's right. you know, I was trying to do this and I found this and somebody said, right. Hey, that would make a good toy. And so he's he's done very well on that. But that is oh, good. very true. Hey, I want to uh, remind everybody what they can see on the today's homeowner television television show this weekend. We're talking about somebody that wanted a little gathering spot out behind their house, wasn't sure what to do. And what we did in this particular one, because we've used pavers a lot of time, we've used decking. Well, we don't pour much concrete anymore, but we poured this beautiful little concrete patio. We did some alterations to kind of take care of the pets. You got to take care of pets in terms of making sure they don't get out. But we did it in a very attractive way, put in a gate. We also installed a TV um, out to where they will be able, with one of the articulating arms that they will be able to use, and they're just having a great time. You'll have to see this because it'll give you some great ideas on what you can do this spring in your backyard to really start enjoying the great outdoors. Again, go to todayshomeowner.com, find out where you can see it in your area. Do you know what a residual joke is? A residual, a residual joke. joke is a joke no. that keeps on giving well after the joke has been done. Well, I actually have one of these that I pulled the other day. You'll okay. Appreciate it. So my wife was going out um, walking, and just before I guess she looked into a, you know one of the little mirrors and everything, and it she knocked it off and it and it broke uh, one of the little hand mirrors, and right. it was on the floor of the bathroom. And she okay. says, "I'll uh, I'm going walking. I'll come. I'll take care of that when I get back." Well, she came back. I was eating a little breakfast and everything. All of a sudden, I had this great idea. So here's all this shattered glass on the floor. Right. She's not looking for a second there. I have a little paper plate that I was using. I, I squeezed some ketchup on there. And then I walked I in. I see where this is going. Go I walked in where all the glass was, and I just dripped a little glass around in here, and I went and sat back down at the breakfast table. You, dri- you dripped some ketchup. Dri- dripped some ketchup around right. there, you know, and yeah. everything. Boy, it, it looked like a perfect crime scene. And so I, <laughs> so, so I went back and sat down at the breakfast table. I said, hey, I want to show you something. I get up, and I have this. I'm 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 uh, limping now. She goes, "What's wrong with your foot?" And I said, "Well, you'll you'll have to come here and see." And she goes in there and she looks at. It, she says, "Well, I told you about it. It's your own fault." And then, <laughs> I'm, that was two days ago, and I can't quit laughing. I'm telling you. <laughs> oh man, she says, "Well, you clean it up now." So anyway. <laughs> 
Well, believe it or not, that wraps up the first hour of today's Homeowner Radio. We're so glad that you were able to spend some time with me, Danny Lifford, and my co-host, Joe Troini. Thanks for being with us.